Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome our A-team guests. We'll start off with a playwriter uh, for the play Bloke and his American Bantu, Osimpiwe Mahala. Simpiwe, thank you very much for joining us. It's been such a great pleasure meeting you on Sunday and also having you on air right now. Good evening. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's really exciting to have to reflect on the on Bloke and his American Banjo, a play that, uh, well, came to my mind some 10 years ago, and um, I finally put pen to paper last year. So last year only you put pen to paper? I thought it was a process that took quite some time. But before you talk to us about that process, can I introduce um, the producer and director of the play, Bloke and his Bantu, American Bantu, Silo Makeganube. Silo, thank you so very much for joining us. And also, likewise, it was a pleasure meeting you on Sunday and an absolute honor and pleasure to be interviewing you this evening. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Patricia, and thank you to the SAFM listeners. And uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Atimus and hi, Mona. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I hear, I hear, I hear that you are eye candy there, and I'm just saying, you know, I left that to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mu- I must say, growing up, yeah. idolizing both of you, Simpiwo and you, Silo, idolizing you, watching you, following your career, um, yeah. you are eye candy to all the ladies in South Africa, and some men, possibly, but uh, I'll speak for the ladies. You are eye candy to all of us. And one thing I know for certain is that yeah. we are where we are today, especially me, because of the inspiration that both of you have given. Um, Simpiwo, I know, in worked a lot in, in government and uh, doing a lot of other things in the parastatals and you, Silo, um, theatre plays and on soapies in South Africa. So you are eye candy. No one is above the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, well the only trouble is that uh, you, you convert my, my tenor into soprano when you put me on with Rafilo. His baritone just dominates the airways. But, but, but mind you, Simpiwo, um, on Sunday I was sitting right behind you. Okay, So my partner and I were right behind you and I thought, yes, I can't believe I'm, I'm awe-stricken, right? Like I'm shaking. Mm. All I want to do is the American thing and ask for an autograph. And he kept on nudging me. He's like, how's Patekathle? So don't worry about the the baritone and the soprano. We love you nonetheless. So, Simpio, let's talk about the the writing process and the research that, you know, came into getting this play together, Bloke and his American band. Yeah, well, as I was saying, I came across um, uh, the correspondence between uh, a bloke and uh, Langston by sheer accident uh, in 2012 uh, in the U.S. Um, I was actually looking for the correspondence between uh, uh, Langston and uh, and Eskiampasele. And but you know, in almost every second letter, there would be reference to Bloke. So I asked for for Bloke's file, and you know, they asked me which one. And I said, how many? And they said, well, we have two uh, main files. And then they brought these thick files. And, um, you know, I went through them. I was lost 
in, in reading, you know, uh, investing their story. I, I think there are two things that are outstanding for me. Uh, one, that these guys took the art of letter writing seriously. But on the other, uh, it was the intimacy of, of, the, of the correspondence. You know, the, the frequency, yes, because they used to write each other weekly at some point, so much that um, our letters would uh, cross in transit. But the, the intimate connection that you found between them, the, the, the love, the care that they have for each other was just amazing for me. I could see their lives really um, unfolding before me. So um, I, I, I kept telling Brasilo, hey, Brasilo, I want to write this play. I want to write this play. And, um, you know, he's been telling me that stop writing, talk about it, bring it, let me see it. So um, it was on last year that I somewhat felt compelled to finally write because uh, the University of Pretoria expected me to deliver something. So I'm glad it finally happened and uh, we have it on stage now. Listen, I am excited that it has happened, and it has happened in my lifetime, Simpiro, you know. Um, let me go to you, um, uh, Butsilo. In terms of the creativity that went behind this particular play, I mean, you had to take what uh, the playwright has put together, Simpiro, and put it onto stage and make it a play. You've got experience on, on TV, you've got experience in the theater, um, but putting a play like this, I don't think you have been in a production that was so multifaceted. There was audiovisual, there was sound effect, and then there was the play. So for me, it was, it was a, a visual and um, eargasm as well. It was an all-around orgasm for me as a person who loves the theater. What went into the directing and producing of, of this particular play and making sure that although it's a two-man play, it is so multifaceted? You know, actually, the person who did the most of the work is pure himself. You know, in the writing and in how the play was written, and what I saw was, and I'm I'm one of those that uh, believe that you don't tamper with the playwright's uh, approach to a subject. Your duty is to find a way of interpreting it. And uh, in interpreting it visually, you know, then even that, those visual effects, uh, for instance, the you know the visual uh, effects were written in by Spiewer. But what I did was the music. I actually chose the music from all the music that I have, and you know, and my appreciation of either jazz, classic, and even South African music, you know. Uh, that's the part that I did. And then also now having to deal with the actors. And uh, another thing, one thing that tends to happen is that uh, actors sometimes tend to want to create out of the air, I would say. And what I mean out of the air is that they will be just thinking of just acting out, you know, and whereas what we need to do as actors is in, um, represent the human condition. Uh, you find, you know, at times you hear actors, you know, when I get into character, you know, when I get into character, there's no getting into character. There is following a series of actions that the writer has put on the page. And the writers do that for us. 
And all we have to do at times, unless if there is a miscoordination of sorts, and which was very little, I mean, there was only one thing that I sort of switched around, you know, that um, Spiro had written, had written. But the rest of the stuff is just as Spiro wrote it, and I had to find a way of making, of bringing, a breathing life into the words that have been written. And it, as you say, it is just exquisitely written. And Spiro is amazing, I think, when it comes to that. This is the second play of his that I am part of. The very first one, I was working on it as an actor, which was a play based on Kentemba, who was Bloke Moody's and his contemporary. And if, again, you look into the writing that Spiro put together in the House of Truth, a story about Kentemba. He is just a, you know, you are sitting opposite to a future Nobel Prize winner in literature. Sure. You know, I, 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 I want all South Africans to, or even those who are not South Africans who are listening right now, to actually get themselves a ticket and make sure they see this this mind-blowing um, play because it is one of the best that I've seen that depicts our our history, that depicts the, the stalwarts of our history, uh, Bloke and his American band, to get tickets. Get tickets. The State Theatre is available for you. You don't want to miss out on this. Uh, A-Team, as we're speaking to producer and director Silo Makek Anmobe, who is uh, the um, part of a bloke and his American Bantu, alongside to the playwright, Simpiwo Mahala. Um, and it's it's just an awesome, awesome play. You don't want to miss out on it. Simpiwo, talk to me about, you know, when, when you finally said, this is the cast I'm using, uh, the set, I'm happy with it. The history uh, that I've gathered, um, I'm happy with it, and I'm ready to put it out for the greater nation to see. Well, I, I did not choose the actors. Actually, I when I gave uh, a Brazil the script, I, I thought that would be it for me. And he asked me uh, uh, if I had anyone in mind. I said no, but I do think there's a particular actor who could um, uh, play the role of Langston, uh, but I didn't know his name. And uh, he came back to me two weeks later and said, I know who can play Langston. And I said, who? He said, uh, uh, Josiah Dosmulele. So I Googled the name and coincidentally it happened to be the actor that I was referring to, but I didn't know his name. And, um, you know, for the role of uh, of a uh, uh, bloke, we had um, auditions uh, which were limited to Gauteng, and Brasilo is very hard to please. So he he was not convinced with the first round of uh, of auditions. So we had to extend it uh, you know, to other provinces. And uh, we asked uh, actors to send us uh, video clips where they do monologues. And he called me and said, I found our guy. And I said, where is he from? He said, uh, KZN. But I was like, Brasilo, are you sure? We can take someone from KZN and, you know, logistics of travel and all of that might be inconvenient. He said, 
I don't care. I want him here. And I think he took a very good decision. Uh, for me, uh, Anel Nene was the major revelation. He, he, he has mastered the part. So <laughs> the one thing that I wanted to know more about uh, from you, mm-hmm. Simpio, is, is what happened to Bloke? Uh, the, the the play li- leaves me on a, cl- a cliffhanger, especially about his his history, his his life. Right, um, as someone who watched it, it's a cliffhanger for me. I want to see more. Will there be a sequel uh, about what then happens to Bloke after he's on this big international movie? Uh, well, Bloke. I mean, he, he, his career took off at that point. Um, uh, he. You might have seen a clip of a movie. It's a 1968 movie. Uh, it's an, an international blockbuster. Um, he featured in several others. He featured uh, several BBC dramas. Uh, in fact, uh, for BBC, he he was uh, an analyst. He featured in in, in more than 40 um, uh, interviews, and he wrote several um, uh, radio dramas. Uh, over 30 radio dramas for for the BBC. Uh, I can't remember how many films he played in, but he he ended up moving to Germany, where he passed away in 1986. Sure. Uh, and, and to you, Silo, I mean, yeah. this particular project, how much does it mean to you, and what else can we expect from your creativity? Uh, what this production does for me is it actually <clears throat> goes back to um, my reconnection, uh, my connection with Spio. The connection that we had when we first met was he had written a play on Kentember. And but Kentember played a huge role in my life at a very difficult time of my acting career. I was getting despondent, uh, feeling that I'm not getting roles that actually helps to, or that stretches me, and but also roles that captures our humanity and our, you know, yeah, basically our humanity, plays that really dealt with a life experience that I can understand. And one day I, I was, there used to be a, a a bookshop at uh, exclusive books on Pretoria Street in Hillbrow. And that was like in the, I think, early 90s. And I sort of drifted, you know, into that bookshop and was browsing around. And I came across the world of Kentember. And when I read that book and read the short stories and all the remembrances and, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, everything that was, that was in the book, I realized that here was somebody who was uh, talking about a life experience that I could relate to, but also expressed in such exquisite English. These guys were, I mean, they were black English men. And the way they use the English language to capture our life experience, for me, that just blew my mind. And what this work and the previous work uh, that Spiro had written, plus he has already written a, a biography 
you know, he's did his thesis. He's no longer just Sipiwo Mahala. You know, he is Dr. Sipiwo Mahala because of a thesis that he wrote on Kentemba, which then he translated it into a biography. And this is the history of ourselves that we don't know. And it is so important that we reconnect with the greatness that we have produced as black people. And for me, these characters of the 50s actually embody something that is just exceptional about us as black people. Though we may look at it as being, having been colonized, we, were, uh, we are prisoners of our own history. And Bloch wrote uh, his autobiography, Blame Me on History. You know, uh, I haven't read it uh, fully because I didn't want to, you know, go to uh, a space before, you know, his life. But just devils, you know, read that and there where it actually fed. And I found that it fed into me understanding what Bloke is about. For me, uh, Spio and many other writers, you know, during Sophia Town, the Kentembers or the writers of Drum Magazine and all the intellectuals of that time were, I think, uh, basically, I mean, they, they, they regarded that they went through the Sophia Town Renaissance. And the Sophia Town Renaissance happens in tandem with the Harlem Renaissance. But we are actually having, we are living through another renaissance. And this renaissance is actually coming through writers like uh, my friend there, Dr. Spio Mahala, and, for instance, um, Tembeka Nukaitobi, and also, oh gosh, I forget this writer, Pagamili, uh, who wrote uh, The Native Merchants. And now what they are doing, the Tembekas are actually, and the Spiwas are going back in history to make us reconnect with people, with the greatness that we have. Because at the moment, when you look at the work that is being presented that represents Black South Africa, these are works that are just showing the debased side of our humanity. And we're not talking about people who were intellectual giants, literary giants. Tembeka, in his book, uh, the, the Land is Ours, he goes back down in history in the 1900s and he depicts the, the very first black lawyers. So you realize that we actually just have greatness and we need to appreciate our, the greatness so that we reshape and continue and ride on the shoulders of those who were before us. One step that we still need to do is actually go into the appreciation of our own language and even tell the stories in our own language. And you're sitting there with a writer who has written something in English and then translated it in Tosa, which shows that Tosa is still, you know, I mean, he's a... Um, affinity to his background is still very strong, you know, and, and many of our actors are not trained in order to appreciate their own languages. For instance, I was in the UK. I performed in Othello. When I performed in Othello, doing it with the Royal Shakespeare Company, 
uh, Othello the play was celebrating its 400th year anniversary. Not Shakespeare, but the play was 400 years old, and it has been performed in the Elizabethan English. And then you ask yourself, what kept the play alive? And what kept that language or that English alive? It is because of the actor. And for me, the actor is the custodian of the living culture. And how we, are we going to preserve our languages if ever we don't make uh, our actors to perform in their own languages and which will exhibit an appreciation and artistry that is in our language. So this work for me is important that we should reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with our own greatness. Oh, and I agree with you. I agree with you. I know the UN is also advocating for the fact that we need to uphold African languages. It is the year for us to all learn. A couple of days ago, we were um, told by the UN as well that it was the the, the Kiswahili language that uh, you know was being advocated for, commemorated on that day. And young people and all people are urged to 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 actually take up the baton and learn our own African languages. So I agree with you. Let's keep our languages alive, Silo. Let's keep mm-hmm. theater alive. We've been deprived of theater for the past two years and now things have opened up slowly and Thank goodness for Bloke and his American band, right? <laughs> so at least Thank we can you. imbibe on theater that is conscious and that is inspiring as well. If you have some time, Pat, please ask Pewe about the whole translation of his novel, When a Man Cries so that he supports what I'm saying. Well, Spiro, I'm not going to even say anything. Please do let me know. The A-teamers are also eager to hear. And before you do, Philip, A-teamer Philip, you are calling in right now to comment about the play. I think you went to the opening or you, you want to ask questions around it. Please call again, 011-714-2006. The opportunity is still open for the next couple of minutes. Spiro, let me know. I'm very inspired to hear about the translation. <laughs> Well, um, first of all, I, I don't consider it as a translation. Uh, it's a reclamation of the original idiom because uh, the, the the first book, When I Cries, even though I wrote it in English, but, you know, the, the idiom, uh, what, what informed the culture that informed it was this closer. An example, you know, there's a lady who actually, old lady who bought the English book in my community. And uh, because she couldn't read English, she gave it to her granddaughters to read and then uh, tell her what the story is all about. And, you know, for me, when I went back home, that made me think that here I am writing the very first uh, novel set in this community, yet the people of this community um, cannot access it. So that's really inspired me to actually write it in the original language. So uh, I don't consider it as a translation per se, it's a rewriting, uh, which is essentially the reclamation of, of its original idiom, uh, which I then rewrote as, as uh, Yakarin daughter in Mrs. Trosa. That's the, that's the shorter version of it. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm glad that it's a shorter version, but it's a version that hits home, as supporting what Silo has said. Gentlemen, it's been such a great pleasure. Thank you so very much for this play, Bloke and his American Bantu. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was there with my entire family, and we all enjoyed it. Silo, thank you. Thank you very much for your creativity and for making sure that you direct this play with multimedia and you entice all our senses. Spiro, thank you for writing and researching this play um, and, and, and everything else that went into it. We appreciate both your genius. Thank you very much, Patricia. Thanks a lot.